And there are times when God, God always is speaking if we're listening. But there are times when God really does bring something in your spirit. He sends you a message. And uh, I had uh, planned on, I, and I want to emphasize I, as in me, Gary, uh, you know, I wanted to do something that kind of talks about transitioning from this year to next year. And God dropped this in my spirit like a ton of bricks, this subject of intimacy with God. Um, I know that on the onset that everybody desires intimacy at some level. The best relationships are the people that we are most intimate with, be it our spouse, or sometimes a very, very good friend. We all value intimacy. And in some reason, I think when we talk about intimacy with God, it conjures up the idea of, of hard work. I don't know why that is. Uh, we, we, I think we all understand that, you know, we, you hear people say all the time, I love the Lord. You, 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 you know, a brother so-and-so loves the Lord. Sister so-and-so uh, loves the Lord. And, but I think sometimes we say that too flippantly because we talk about being intimate. One of the things that that I think is important to underscore is that out of everything that God requires and desires of us, he wants us. Do you hear me? He wants and desires to be in relationship with you. Sometimes we get so busy, we get so busy doing things, and we forget what God is really after is, is us. He desires fellowship. Probably, I will say this, the, probably the most important message. I'm not going to necessarily preach you this morning, but I'm going to talk to you. Is that okay? And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to do that. This is probably one of the most within the top two or three messages I ever preach or probably ever will preach. This is the tops of all the messages I can preach. Talking about being intimate with God. This message right here, it is the most important message. And I want you to, I don't want you to zone out on me. I want you to really pay close attention because I believe that if we get this down, it will transform our life. You listen to me. We will never be the same. We don't have to work. See, I say a lot of times and hear me. You know, sometimes we say we struggle with, with sin. I don't believe we have a sin problem for the most part. I believe we have an intimacy problem because the closer you get to God, you know, Jesus said all the all the word is fulfilled in, in one in, in one scripture that you should love your neighbor, love God. And then you love your neighbor, you love yourself. It talks about how love fulfills the law. You know, when you love somebody or someone, there's just certain things you won't do. And nobody really has to tell you don't do it. You just don't do it because you just love somebody. And, and we got to come to this place that we feel a connection with God, that we love him so much that we're communicating with him, that we're talking with him on a regular basis, that we're sharing with him. And it's not laborious to us. I mean, you know, it should not be a laborious thing. I shouldn't have to struggle when the preacher, when somebody says it's time to pray. Sometimes we struggle. We don't feel good about praying sometimes. I don't really know why that is. Maybe it's because of some of the concepts and ideas that people have put in our mind and some of that, you know, what prayer really is. But in its, in its truest form, prayer is really about my communicating to God and getting to know him, getting to know and understand his will and what he wants to do in my life. And the more intimate we are with him, we don't have to worry. Think about this. Hear me. Hear my heart. The more intimate we are with Jesus. We don't have to worry about a lot of the things that we concern ourselves with. We don't have to worry about growing the church much because, you know, what? when every one of us are in love with God, things just happen. Things just happen. You don't you don't have to work hard because because it comes naturally. Billy Graham, how many of you know Billy Graham? Unless you live, unless you're on some other planet that we don't know about. Everybody knows who Billy Graham is. Uh, he has been for a long time. Uh, one of the few people and examples of the God, I shouldn't say few, God, I, I, I didn't mean that. But he's one of those people that has kept himself from scandal. He has lived a life and he's 92 years old now. And this man has lived a life of integrity. He's lived a life of honesty. 
And this man has preached to millions. And God knows how many he's led to Christ. I mean, I grew up as a little kid watching Billy Graham on television. And, and Billy Graham would be leaving, leading hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, and I often think to myself, what, how does that one person that led Billy Graham to Christ? Think about it. The one that, that maybe the person that led him to Christ wasn't an evangelist, didn't go preach all those people. But he was the instrument that God used to lead that person to Christ. I tell you, that person has a great reward. You never know. It doesn't take one. You don't know who in here will be the next whatever God want to do in their life. And so you would think a guy like Billy Graham, he has it all together, right? He, Billy Graham, I mean, he preached all these thousands. He was a great, a fiery preacher. He was a passionate preacher. You would think that that man had it all together and that there were no issues concerning Billy Graham. Billy Graham recently did an interview. He hadn't done an interview probably in a good, I don't know, four or five years. And he recently did an interview that I, I listened to, and he did with a, uh, a reporter. And I want you to take a look and hear what he had to say. Nice. Continuing with Reverend Billy Graham, if you were to do things over again, would you do it differently? Yes. I would study more. I would pray more. Travel less. Take less speaking engagements. I took too many of them in too many places around the world. If I had to do over again, I'd spend more time in meditation and prayer and just telling the Lord how much I love him and adore him. And I'm looking forward to the time we're going to spend together for eternity. Wow, did you hear that? Billy Graham, who did all the things that this guy has probably ministered to every president that has ever walked inside the Oval Office. He is a statesman of our generation. He was a man that he is highly regarded. And he said that if I could do one thing all over again, he said, I will spend more time in prayer and being with God. And you know what he was essentially saying to me? That there was an element that was something missing, that he could have had even a more profound impact. Had he spent more time, he saw and now he realizes the value of spending time alone with God and being in his presence. He simply said, I just want to tell him just how much I love him. He was a man that. That has had an incredible impact. And to hear him say that, I, I sit and I said, you got to be kidding me. You, Billy Graham, you're, you're the great one. Well, Billy Graham wasn't the only one that said that. You remember the Apostle Paul said, I want to know him. Paul says, I count all my accolades. This is in Philippians, I believe, chapter two or three. He says, you know, all my awards, all my accolades, all, all the things. He said, I was a Pharisee among the Pharisees. I was the best. I, was equipped. I had it all together. But this one thing I want to do, he said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. He was, Paul was saying, I want to get to know him as I want to know as much about him as I possibly can. I want to get so close to him that, 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 that he's like standing right in my face every day. I don't want to do anything except to know him. I said recently where do we come to a point that Jesus is not enough? If our needs sometimes are not met, then Jesus is not enough. Things don't go the way in relationships the way we want. Then sometimes they have a tendency to cause us to turn away from God instead of turning to God. We got to come to a point, people, that, that he's enough. We got to come to a place when I think about all the great ones of the Bible. And I said I was going to talk to you this morning. Is that OK? I, all the people in the Bible, you think of Abraham. Think of Moses. God says that out of all of my servants, I talk to nobody face to face like I connect with Moses. And you, you study the life of Moses. Moses was constantly running into places where he could be alone with God. One time he was alone with God for 40 days. He came back and, and his face was shining with the anointing, with the glory of God. The people couldn't even look at him. 
Jesus, who is our example. Jesus says, I don't do nothing unless I see the father do it. We think about the death on the cross. And, and how many know that was bad? It was terrible. It was it was a horrific death. That Roman death in those days was about as worse as, as, as it can get in terms of the punishment. They, they nailed your hands to the cross. They nailed your feet. But, you know, in all of that, that wasn't the thing that bothered Jesus the most. It wasn't the pain of having the nails driven through his hands and through his feet. That did not that wasn't the thing that bothered him most. What bothered him more than anything else was that he had to be separated from the father as he took on all the sin of the whole wide world because he was God. He was with God. He he had a closeness with his father. And he said, he says, Father, if it be possible, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me because I can handle just about anything, but I cannot handle not being with you. That this is something that, that I don't want to deal with. Intimacy. John Wimber, he was a great charismatic preacher. Listen to what John Wimber said. He says, the ability to hear what God is saying and to see what God is doing and to move in the realm of the miraculous. How many of you want to move in the realm of the miraculous? Listen to this. Listen to what he says. This is John Wimber who practiced the miraculous. Here's what he says. He says, the ability to hear what God is saying, to see what God is doing and to move in the realm of the miraculous comes as an individual develops the same intimacy with and dependence upon the father. How did Jesus do what he did? The answer is found in his relationship with the father. How will we do the greater works than these which Jesus promised? By discovering the same relationship of intimacy, simplicity, and obedience. You know what one of the common threads that you would see throughout the entire scripture is the folks that God used in a mighty and profound way and people that did miracles, did great things. They had an intimate relationship with God. And listen, I'm not talking about just coming to church on Sunday. I'm not talking about knowing a couple verses. I'm talking about a closest where you come to a point that you don't do nothing unless you ask your father. That every single day you're talking to God about about everything. You're pouring out your soul to him. I mean, you're laboring before him. Jesus, every morning, every morning, the Bible said that Jesus would get up before it was day. How do we know Jesus had a very busy life? There's a couple passages in the scripture that says that Jesus was so busy during the day, he didn't even have time to eat. But he made sure that every morning he got up, he got into God's presence because what he was saying is that 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 men should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He, he, he demonstrated. He says, he says, follow me. He was 100 percent God, but yet he was 100 percent man. That's why the Bible says that we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He understands what we're going through. He was 100 percent man. And what he was doing was he was teaching us, showing us how we're supposed to relate to God. And he said, greater works will you do. I'm going to the father. In other words, he said, the life that I'm living, the miracles that I do, you can do the same thing and even greater. But 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 there's so many things that just block our getting close to him. I mean, we got TV. We got the Internet. Yes, we got Facebook. I talk about Facebook. We got all these little things. And you know what they do? They, they just somehow we, we fit God in. You know, if I get my devotion time in, OK, if I miss it, well, God understands. And we treat it as if it's just some obligatory thing. Instead of saying, Lord, I can't live without you. This ain't this ain't me just trying to I can't do this without you. You got to help me. Father, help us as we study Luke chapter 10. You have your Bibles. Turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42. Luke chapter 10. Verses 38 to verse 42. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village 
and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet. Listen to this, folks. Who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know, we, you would think it's rude that if I invited you to my house and the whole time that you were in my house, I was busy serving and cleaning, putting up the clothes and washing the dishes and, and I spent no time talking to you, right? You would say, you would say I went to Pastor House and he didn't, he was just busy. He, he had no time and, and you will feel like you have been robbed. Because why did I come to your house? I didn't come to your house to watch you work. I came here because I want to talk to you. That's why a lot of times you come to my house, we cut the TV off because people don't come. To, I tell my, 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 I got family members, in-laws, and they come in town. And, and one of the things that, that was so hard for me is they, they love the TV and I just shut it off. And sometimes it's a real good game and I don't want to do it, but I do it. Because what I'm really after is that I, I know the importance of relationship. And, 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 and here Jesus shows up. He comes to visit Mary and Martha, the anointed one. He shows up. And what happens? Mary, she sits down and she's communicating with him. She's talking. But what is Martha doing? If I had that broom, where's that broom? There was a broom up there, and I meant to tell you I wanted it for a prop. But here, Mary, she got the broom. And Mary, Mary, I'm sorry, Martha, she's, she's just sweeping, and she's busy, and she's doing stuff. Now, may I add, what she was doing was a good thing, right? I mean, I mean no, it's good to have a clean house. I mean, no, it's good to vacuum. I mean, know that. Thank you, brother. It's good to vacuum. It's good to clean up. It's nothing wrong with doing all those things. I mean, hey, you know, you, you want to have a nice sanctuary, right? We got to make this place look good so that everybody come in and they can see how beautiful it is. And so I'm going to spend the next eight, ten hours right here at church because I got to make sure I, I got I to keep it looking good. You know, I want to be the best usher I can be. So I got to spend all my time. I got I to gotta do it. I, I want to be the best sound engineer I can. I want to be the best preacher. So I got to spend a whole lot of time so I can study, so I can make sure that, 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 that I'm prepared. And, and, and the whole time, the whole time, we're doing a good thing, but we're not connected emotionally with Jesus. I've seen sometimes, and I hate to say this, and it always disturbed me, that the Christians, we say we're going to have a Bible study. Talking with brother, brother Reese said to me the other day, Man, I, I love fellowship and in the word. He, I talked to him. And, but, you know, there's some folks, you, you, they, they're all excited about work, being busy. But as soon as you say you want to open up the word, you're looking at the watch. <sighs> Hurry up and get this over with. It's like I, I'm, I'm, I got so much to do. But we miss that God don't want People to be busy. He wants people to worship. It's not about being busy. I mean, no, there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time to pray, but then there's a time to get up. There's a time to work and there's a time to sit quietly before the Lord. And, and, and Martha was 
Martha was just, just doing her thing, and, 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 and she was doing the right thing like many of us. We're doing good things. I mean, how many know Arms Outstretched Ministry is making an impact? I mean, we're doing good things. I mean, we're feeding people. We're having Thanksgiving. I mean, God, we're doing this all for the Lord, but, but, but yet we have not sit down and say, Lord, here, here I am, and Lord, I have some issues that need to be dealt with. I had one person one time say to me, they got mad. Because they said simply, well, you were talking about me during the sermon. Therefore, her husband came back and told me how angry his wife was. And I said, well, did I call a name? No. Because I preached a sermon on how God wants us to grow up and not stay children. So she got offended because I said that you should read your Bible. And her whole thing was, I don't need to read my Bible every day. I can read it whenever and I, I can still be mature. I, okay. I said, that's fine. I'm not going to have that argument with you. But... Why would you, if, how many know, if, if God rings your bell, answer the door. Because I tell people all the time, I, I love, listen, I don't sit back. If I have, I always tell people, if I have something to say to you, I know your number. I'll call you. I don't need to address you from here. This is not for that. So if, if, if God rings your bell and you're sitting in here, just say, Lord, I'm ready. But let me tell you something. God can't talk to us a lot of times. Because we're too busy to hear. We'd rather be busy doing ministry than spending time in his presence. We'd rather be busy doing a whole lot of other neat little things instead of spending time in prayer and in worship and talking to God and letting his personality influence us, letting him change some stuff that is inside of us that is wrong and that is defiling us. So it's a religious thing to say, I'm busy serving the Lord. But if we really want to come to a place that that we want to know him, we really want to be used by him, we got to come to a place where we got to understand that it's we're not spiritual because we're doing a lot of work for Jesus. We're not. Nothing is nothing is more awkward than to see a believer who do a lot of good things, but they don't know no word. They don't know the Bible. They can't articulate. They don't know the person of Christ. I mean, they know some scripture, but they don't really know him. Because when you really know somebody, you don't have to run and go get your word because it's in you. Because you have spent so much time in his presence and bathing in his word that that you love it. Many times Jesus shows up. And we're too busy. Sunday morning comes, you know, we got to get out of here because I need to get home. Because I got to cook. What if Jesus just wanted to show up one weekend and he just wanted to fill this place with his presence and knock a few people on the floor with his presence? I imagine there'd be some people sitting, and we've had it happen before, where, where, where Sunday service just went and I, listen, and, 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 and I've had people, I had to dismiss them, say some of these, they sit out there mad, messing up the spirit. So I said, look, for those of you who can stay, stay. For those who want to go, go. And I don't say that in, a, in an arrogant way. But what I'm saying is that, that I, I don't want to have service and Jesus don't show up. If he shows up, I'm going to tarry in his presence. We come to a point that everything we try to put restraints on God, we want to restrain him. And, and, and because here's the thing, we're so busy doing what? What are you doing? What are we doing that we can't spend time in, in his presence and spend time in his word? What, what else is more important? You tell me, what else is more important than this? We said earlier that discipleship is about him that that it's about the our whole life our whole, this ain't we don't we, we don't have the right anymore to say i'm not going to if the word says do it then we ought to do it intimacy spurs obedience are you tracking with me she said lord do you not care martha said lord don't you care don't you see me doing all this work? And, and, and you, you see how busy, because, Lord, I've been serving you. I come to church every Sunday, Lord. 
You know, and then I see people over here that they're doing, they they don't do the stuff that I do. They seem to be more blessed. Here I am, I'm giving, I'm tithing, I'm coming to church, I'm serving God. And, and, and some of these people just walk right in here and they leave. They don't raise one finger to help me. And here's what we say in our spirit. We protest. God, do you not care that they just left me alone? And, and Martha was wanting Jesus to rebuke Mary and tell her to get up and help. Because the Bible says that we ought to serve one another, right? See, everything got to be in its context. You see how we can take scripture and manipulate it to how we want to do it? You know, the Bible says my brother have needs, supposed to help him. That's all true. But I'm not going to help you at the expense of my time alone with God. Because that is my lifeline. I will listen, I am much more effective to you as a pastor the more time I spend in work in the word and in prayer. When you see me doing more little things around here instead of prayer, if you listen, if you see me all the time doing stuff, then you gotta be saying, who's in here praying? He, he, he can't be talking to God because he's doing everything. I'm just saying that we got to come to a place that we don't think the way. She says, Lord, do you not care? Her priorities were all jacked up. She was more concerned about what everybody else was doing instead of just saying, Lord, you're here. Let me, let me, just, let me just take a moment and worship you. Let me, Mary said, I got a shot right here. I heard a lot about Jesus. And Jesus developed an intimacy for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were sisters and brother. And she, Jesus said to him, concerning Mary, Martha, Martha, not, well, let, me, let me say this. He says to Martha, he says, Martha, Martha, you, sister, are troubled about many things. In other words, it's almost like Jesus was saying, girl, you got a whole lot of issues. This was a broader perspective. Jesus was speaking to something that was broader. Apparently, Martha had a problem with worry and being distracted a lot. You know, it's easy for us to get really, really distracted, isn't it? And Jesus was saying, you are distracted, Mary, and you are worried. I'm sorry, Martha. You're distracted, Martha, and you're worried about a lot. But, but understand something. Mary has chosen a good part, and, and, and this is more important. This is more spending time with me. You know, if I, if I call people and say, brother, sister, can I help? And if you told me, well, pastor, I would. But, but you know what? I, 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 I had set aside an hour to be with God today. Most people say no, and they go do something on their own. They go do something else. But he said, you know what I'll say to you? Go ahead. Do what you got to do. I mean, if you're really honest and sincere, and only God knows that, I, I will say, go for it. You want to spend time with God? I mean, my wife would tell you, I get up in the morning, and I, I, I know how to disappear. Where daddy at? Daddy finds a spot. I disappear. I don't, I don't because I need him. This is not something like I'm just kind of, do. Uh, you know, I can't do this without his help. You can't live your life without the help of God. You can't live a Christian life unless you jump in this thing, hand, foot, and everything. I mean, jump your whole life into this thing. We can't. It says Mary chose the good part. Then look at James chapter number four, if you will. James chapter four, verse eight. I think she also have it for you on the screen as well, if you want to look up. James chapter 4, verse 8, and it reads, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. How many know that God, God came after you and me? We're here today because God chased us. One of the wonderful things about the gospel is that God came after us. We weren't seeking after God. But you know what? Salvation is free, right? How many know you can't earn your way into heaven? 
You can't earn your way. You can't, you can't just try to do the, no, you can't earn your way into heaven. But watch this. And we said this before. Discipleship is costly. And I will go further than that. That intimacy with God depends on how close you want to be to him. You are as close to God as you want to be. God has not moved. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God wants to love on us. You know, God, you know, God wants this to be uh, not a monologue, but a dialogue. Whereby, you know, in worship, our time of worship, we're singing these songs off the screen. You know, you know, one of the reasons why we use praise and worship, because the words speak to something. It speaks to ideals. It, it, it communicates thoughts. And, and so we want people to pray these things when you see it. And so when the song, you say, Lord, I love you. God says, I love you back. You follow me? There's this dialogue. Well, Lord, I praise you. And, and, and God just the Bible says that he tabernacles, that he dwells in the praises of his people. God just like to hang out. Why do we praise? Because the Bible says God dwells. And in, in, in right in the midst of his people that will give him praise and glory. So draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So God is saying, I've done my part. Now you got to do your part. You want to get close to me? You want to be anointed? You want all these things? You talk about all this stuff you want to do? Then do, here's what you got to do. You got to take the next steps. That's not automatic. So everybody grows in different levels of God. Some, pe- most, some of the most profound preachers and pastors I knew, even in this generation, when I sit down and I talk to them, let me tell you something, they got a close connection with God. They spend a lot of time in God's presence. You know, spending a lot of time in God's presence will, will improve the quality of your life in a whole lot of ways. Because you know why? It improved because when you include God in every aspect of your life, you know, uh, uh, it's going to be better. You know why? Because you're talking to him about it. You're talking to him about the people that are getting on your nerves at work. You're talking to him about the relationship that's strained. You are talking to him about every problem. And so the more close I am with God, the more he's influenced in every aspect of my life, thereby the quality of my life is improved. And I'm more anointed, not because I say I'm saved and because I can quote scripture, but because I'm really anointed. See, a person that's really anointed, they don't have to say it. They just, it just it emulates from their life. They don't have to try to fake it. It's just who I am. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. How many know God will never override your will? He's not going to make you fall in love with him. You know, the Bible says that God created us as free moral agents. Uh, if you look at uh, in uh, Genesis chapter one, the Bible says that we are created in his image. That's what that means. We're created in his image. We're created to, to, like him. We think we have a will. We have emotions. So we can choose. God made us to choose. God could have created a bunch of robots and made us bow down and worship him. He could have did that, right? But that's not who he is. So God says, I want a people that will worship me, give me the glory, serve me, give to me because they want to. How many know it's an unhealthy relationship? If a person is in a relationship and a spouse is beating up on the other person, I mean, no, and they're making them, you know, you may can conform, but inside you're not really conform. See, that's why you, you can preach and tell people you by the tithe, you by the tithe, and they, they can get scared. They can get scared, but, but, and they may do it, but they're not doing it from here. You follow me? And what is God after more than anything? Your heart. He wants your heart. If he got your heart, you don't have to beg people to do stuff. When God has your heart, things happen. And, you know, you don't have to beg. When you come to church, you come to church? No, you don't have to beg. You come. You, you, you talk. You ask me. I mean, I'm offended. Don't come ask me when I go to church on Sunday. Don't offend me like that. We should be offended. No, no, you don't ask me that because I, I, I love him. And, and, and I'm going to obey his word. How many know his word says forsake not the assembling of yourself together like some folks do? So then if the word says that, then I'm saying, okay, God, that's in the word. I'm doing it. I don't ask any questions. I don't try to say, Lord, let me think about it. I don't need to think about anything that I know that is here. I don't need to think about obeying God. 
I don't need to think about acting right. I, I just need to look at the word and say, what, does it, is it there? Then I'm, I'm, I'm flowing. See, that's intimacy. And we come to a place where we embrace what he says. And, and, and he talks about there, he says, cleanse your hand and purify your hearts. In that same verse. See, that, deal, that deals with how many know sin can hinder intimacy with God. Um, you know, sometimes we look at God as a cosmic bully. Uh, that God is somehow, when we sin against him, that he's mad. And, and, you know, God is not. The Bible says that God is for you. Who can be against you? So let's understand something. God is on your side. And when you sin against God, God don't get mad at you and say, I don't want to have anything else to do with you. I mean, if I serve the God like that, then, then why save me? Because you knew I was jacked up, Lord, before I came. You knew I had issues. And it's like, it's like somehow we forget that. I mean, when God saved you, he, he ain't like when you, you stumble and you sin, he ain't like, it is not like God just found out. God knew what you were going to do before he saved you, and he still saved you. He said, I'm going to go ahead and save you because you're a mess. You can't help yourself. But you know why, why, why sin hinders intimacy? Why, why God hates sin so much? He hates sin so much because the more deeper we are in sin, the further away we get away from him. And what God wants is us. So you remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They got some fig leaves together and they start and God said, where you at? And they start doing what? Hiding. Sin makes you run and hide. And God said, no, no, I want to be close to you. I want to love you. I, 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 I died for you. You are everything to me. You are the apple of my eye. I want a fellowship with you. Where are you? What happened? What did you do? You know, we think, look at it sometimes like God is just so angry. God, listen, God loves you. He's on your side. He said, it's my loving kindness that causes you to repent and want to turn to me. When you get a revelation of God's love, let me tell you something. It changed your whole dynamic. These folks that preach like God is some kind of angry God. And, you know, and I've heard about the series Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. God ain't angry at his people. God is angry about sin, though. And you should be angry about sin because it destroys everything that God wants to build. That's why we need to stay away from it. Not so much because God's going to get us. Now, the Bible doesn't say we reap what we sow. We understand that to be the case. And the Bible says God is not mocked, which is a good motivator for not getting involved. But understand God's motivation is always love. It's his love for us. He said, cleanse your hand, you double-minded. Double-minded. You know what double-mindedness means? That one minute we're serving God, next minute we're not. When things are going well, we're praising God. When things are going bad, we're not praising God. How many know that when you get really intimate with God, it doesn't, you know, Paul says, Paul was in jail writing some of the, new, some of the epistles, I believe Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians. Uh, he was in jail. They're called the prison epistles. Paul was in jail. Now, you go back and read those epistles, you would never think that brother was locked up. Because the outside circumstances did not affect his attitude. Because he was so in love with his God. He was so in love with his God that that, that's all he wanted. Paul says, listen, I've learned the secret to being happy. He said, I know how to live with much and I know how to live with a little. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can go through it all. I think sometimes we take it out of context because we take that verse to mean that God's going to just deliver us from every bad thing. And he does not. But what it does mean and what, he's, what Paul is communicating to, it doesn't matter what I got to go through. I will give God the glory. And I'm happy because I got him. Real quick. Five things and then we're done. Can I have five more minutes? Five minutes. OK. OK. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Okay, seven minutes. All right, watch this. Here, here, here are five things. Keys to intimacy. Now, I said this is one of the most important message, messages that I'll, I'll ever preach. And I'm going to make sure that everybody who wasn't here today get a copy of this CD because I think it's that important. I think if we can learn this right here, then ministry will flow good. Your life will be better. The quality of life will be better. Everything about your life is going to improve when you and I come to a point where we really understand what being intimate with God is all about. And, and, and I long for the day when 930, Brother Larry said it this morning, when 930 comes around on Sunday morning, that this church is filled at 930 for people that love God. 
that came to pray. See the value. I'm getting up extra early. I want to be here at 930 to pray with the saints. I love them that much. I long for that day. But watch this. Keys to intimacy. Number one, solitude with God. The Bible says in Matthew 14, 23, after he has sent the crowds away. How do you know Jesus sent the crowds away? Sometimes Jesus was busy in ministry, but <laughs> he came upon. Sometimes Jesus said, okay, you all have to go because I have to go and be with my father. It's time for me to go. He sent the crowds away and he went up on a mountain by himself to by him. What? By himself to pray. Now, I'm all I think it's great to do devotion with your wife and with your spouse and with other people because we do it. Me and my wife, we'll pray together. We prayed together yesterday. We read the Bible. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But, but you know what? If you really want to get intimate with God, you need to be alone with God. That should be no substitute for being alone with him. Because, you know, when you're alone, you can take the mask off. You can just be yourself. You can say all the things that you don't want your spouse to hear about you and other people to hear about you. Now you can say it because it's just you and God. Because you can get, be real with God. I can tell God exactly what I'm dealing with. Jesus spent time alone. He spent time with the disciples. Now, how many know he's our model? But the Bible said off the time, he would get up and he would, he would say, everybody, y'all have to go. I'm going to be with my, my, my father. I see y'all when I get back. Because how many know those problems are going to be there when you get back? Those kids are going to be there when you get back. Sometimes you have to tell the kids, get away from me. My kids are, go away. And sometimes it may seem a little harsh. You may have to tell your spouse, do me a favor. You, can you go do something else? I have to go and be with my father because we can deal with this when I come back. In fact, when I get down in his presence and I spend time with him when I come back, now I'm more equipped to deal with the issues that you and I may be having. Because I've been spending time in his presence. Me and my wife have this little joke. If we ever spend time in God's prayer, I do our devotion. When we get up mad, we look at you. What, what devotion? Who do you talk to this morning? We say that you need to go back and pray some more because you certainly did not talk to God talking like that. Talking about you just had a devotional. Who did you talk to? You need to spend more time in his presence. And for some of us, based on how we are and you all, we got to be real about ourselves. Right. Some of us, we, we need to spend even more. The more jacked up you are, the more time you got to spend in God's presence. Pardon the expression, jacked up. I think most of us understand what jacked up means. It means that you just messed up. All of us are messed up. <laughs> Secondly, praise and worship. I, I don't know what it is. I, I love praise. I, I, I never understood. You know, it's something about when you worship God. It's something about when you praise and worship God that your problem becomes minuscule. And Jesus becomes magnified. When I sing and I lift my hands to him, I'm worshiping him and I don't really care about anything else. I love singing his praises. I love worshiping him. And there's something about when we come together, when we, we say, Lord, you know, when you come, well, just come together, just, that's one thing in here on Sunday, but, but I'm talking about your, your personal life. Because, see, if you don't have praise and worship time at home, then surely you ain't going to do it here. Not really. If you got to beg people to raise their hands, pray, somebody says, well, Pastor, you need to get up front to pump the people up, to get them excited. You got to lead them into worship. I don't believe it's God's perfect will that we be led into anything because you should be already in worship before you hit this door. You should come in here singing praises. That we don't have to call you say, it's the time to worship. As soon as you hear the music, well, got to go. Because I love worshiping him. I love it. I love it. I love laying bare. I love it. And it's something about that. It brings intimacy. You know how certain songs just make you cry? You know how you was in the world, you hear certain songs. Like every now and then you hear one of those oldies. You know, every now and then I hear one of those old songs. Like the, I used to like the OJs back in the day. Uh, some of y'all don't know who that is. And, you know, I used to, you know, I used to like the stylistics, you know. You make me feel brand new. You hear that song? You know, and, and every time, I'm like, oh, I'm doing this song. I'm like, yeah, just, just country of so much emotion, you know. You know, and something about music to help set the mood. I'm just saying, you, you may not need music. You may just say, you know, I'm just going to sing unto the Lord. David sung, and David used to play his harp. 
David was a worshiper. When Saul was acting crazy, remember Saul was crazy? And, and they said, send David, the psalmist. And David would come in there, and he would get the music. He would just start playing on those instruments. And Saul just, ah, uh, he began to focus. But as soon as David left, the devil jumped right back on his back. <laughs> I'm just saying, we got to come to a place where we, 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 we praise and worship God it, because it takes our focus off the problem and place it on God. How many more minutes I got? Four. All right. The third point, I only have five of these. Number three. Psalm 139, 23, we got to be, we got to be, I think she have it up there, search me, oh God, know my heart, try me, and know my anxieties. How many of you got anxieties? (laughs) Listen, (laughs) watch this. We got to come to a point that we're just transparent with God. How many know uh, God already knows what we did before we're going to do it? So if we're going to be serious about being intimate with God, we just got to be honest with God and tell God where we really are. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes, you know, I, I want, let me, let, can I confess something to you in my pride? In my, I'm going to take you into my quiet place. There are some times I got on my knees and I've, I've actually prayed this to God. I ain't been a few times, it's been a bunch of times. I, I said, Lord, I'm coming to your presence, but I want you to know I don't feel like it. Lord, I, I'm, I'm struggling today. I got a bad mood. I really don't want to be here because I got a whole lot of other things I, I, I'd rather be doing right now. Please help my unbelief. And what am I doing? I'm being honest with God because how many know that whether you say it or not, God already know if you don't want to be there. Right. So why not just be honest with him? Because it's going to spur. It's the groundwork for intimacy. It'll make you talk to him more because God can handle your bad thoughts. How many have some bad thoughts sometimes that come in your mind? Not just bad actions. I'm talking about some bad thoughts. I mean, I'm driving in the road sometimes. A thought come in the brain. Kill him. Run over him. Like what? 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 Where did that come from? Lord, I got a problem. Lord, help me. I, I'm talking to him. Why? Why? Because we got to practice the presence of God. That, that every day we walk and we're talking to God. We're just having a conversation. We, we're talking. We're telling God what our problems are. We're telling God what our fears are. We're telling him what our anxieties are. We're telling him something. Lord, I don't feel good today. Lord, will you give me the faith to be joyful today? I need your joy. Will you empower me, Lord? Because I know I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. So, Lord, will you please help me? You think God's going to look at you and say, I'm gonna, I ain't going to help you. No, he's going to help you because you're pouring out your heart. When David, David would talk to God, you read the Psalms. When David talked to God, David was like, Lord, where are you? The wicked are prospering here. What's up? God, I mean, I look, I mean, Job, Job said, Lord, I look high, I look low. I can't find you nowhere. And what it, what it was really saying was, Lord, I got a problem. I pray you haven't done anything. Where are you? I need help. Jesus said, Lord, take the cup from me. Take it. I really don't want to do this, but I'll go ahead and do it, but I really don't. <laughs> but see, sometimes, but see, we feel that way. Then we don't even talk to God about it. We just, I'm going to walk in it. Instead of saying, Lord, help me through it. How I many of God will help you if you're honest with him? Fourth. Fourth point, we only got five and we're done. Fourth, John 14, 23. We got to be obedient to God. Obedience. Jesus said, you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I didn't say that. If anyone loved me, he would keep my commandments. And my word and my father will love him. And he will love and we will come to him and make our home with him. You know, God, God kind of hangs out with folks that's willing to obey his word. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for people with a willing heart. You remember I said to you earlier that the more in love with him that we are, sin, sin, we, we, don't, we won't sin against him because naturally we just, we're in love with him. I, I, I need him. You know, if I can, that's why I can stand up here and I can preach to you and I can say, you're a sinner. You're going to die. You're going to go to hell. And I can say all these horrific things and tell you how bad you are. I, I could do that. Right. But that ain't really going to change you. Not really. It may scare. It even may scare the hell out of you. Because some people come to God through fear. I did. <laughs> I was scared. I knew enough to know that if I, if, I, if I didn't give my life to Jesus, I was going to die. I knew that much. 
Because I was out in the club party and the Lord was talking to me. I know he was talking to me. You come, the Lord told, spoke to me and said, you're coming. And I won't even walk with him. He's like, this is, okay, he had been chasing me for like six years. And I got out of high school and I said, boy, I'm going to college and I'm going to live it up. I said, Lord, I'll get back with you when I'm 40. I told him, I said, I'll check in because I grew up in the church. I'll check back with you when I'm 40 after I had all the ladies I want, partied all the much I want and had all the fun I want. Then I'll, I'll check back in with you when I'm ready. Let me know, I got saved at 25. So much for that plan, huh? But we got to come to a point. I don't know how we got off of that, but I really don't know. But, 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 but if you love him, you, you, you'll keep his commandments. You'll strive to obey him. And when you do fall, you'll confess it and say, Lord, I blew it today. I blew it. And, and can you please help me? I want to go back on with my life. I got two minutes left. Y'all supposed to laugh. Okay. Number five. <laughs> Last point. Fasting and prayer. You know, some strongholds in your life don't get broken unless you fast and pray about it. Prayer is simply talking to God. It's everything I just said a moment ago. It's, it's just simply talking to God, telling God, Lord, okay, okay where I am. And, you know, and sometimes I talk to God. I don't like how many sometimes you look at yourself, you don't like yourself. That's sometimes I'm praying. I did, you know, I remember one time I thought about going back into the world when I was about five years into my faith. Because I, I thought that I was so mad because I kept thinking, I said, well, if you really saved, Gary, why are you thinking these bad thoughts? Why are you tempted? Why? And I remember just being so frustrated. I said, God, I can't live the Christian life. I can't live the Christian life. I can't live the Christian life. God said, I know you can't. That's why I told you to abide in me. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Abide in me. You can't do nothing without me. So all I got to do is just stay connected, and somehow his life will just manifest itself through me. And I'll just read this statement on close. But listen to this. This is our closing statement. This was written by uh, Jack Deere. I love this guy. Um, but listen to what Jack, Jack Deere said. Jack Deere was, a, uh, he was a, originally a, a very, very conservative believer. And uh, he had, a, he had a, an encounter with God. And he didn't believe in a lot of the charismatic gifts and all of that. And he had a revelation. And he ended up having his whole paradigm change about how he looked at ministry. But listen to what Jack Deere said. I think this sums up our message very, very well. Jack Deere said, I want passionate feelings to characterize my relationship with the Lord Jesus. Of course, I want to be perfectly obedient to the Lord, but I want the obedience to spring out of a passionate love for him. I want to obey Jesus, not simply out of discipline or of duty, or because of some reward or fear of punishment. I want to serve him simply for the joy of being able to please the one I love so much. If discipline is what is what ultimately drives us in our pursuit of Jesus, eventually we will give up that pursuit. But a man in love, I mean, how do you know what it's like to be in love? You know how it is when we're in love. We never quit. You know, when you're in love with a woman, boy, you chase her, you follow her, you give up. You don't give up. We know what it's like to be in love. He says, but a man in love or a woman in love will never quit. I want my life to be characterized by an unrestrained affection for the son of God. Do you love him that way? Because that's what all of us should be striving toward. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.